Welcome to the first episode of QSource's Rethink Tobacco podcast series. This series focuses on increasing awareness in our communities around the health impacts of smoking and tobacco use. In this episode, you'll meet two experts and learn how the Rethink Tobacco project was started. QSource wants to welcome Rethink Tobacco and our subject matter experts today from the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center in the Department of Office and Community Outreach and Engagement. We have Deb Buckles and Gage Van Dyne who will be joining us for the conversation with their grant-funded project Rethink Tobacco. We will learn about their work across Indiana within our communities and we will find out ways to get engaged in our own neighborhoods. Feel free to join us in this series of conversations around increasing awareness and the concerns of smoking. We first would like to get started and have Deb and Gage tell us a little bit about themselves. Well, hello everyone. I am Debbie Hudson Buckles. I am a tobacco treatment specialist, which I know some people may be unfamiliar with what that is. It is a nationally accredited certification where we are trained very intensively on helping people to quit using tobacco, using evidence-based practices, and we learn what all of those interventions are and how to use motivational interviewing, cognitive behavioral therapy, and understanding all of the medications used in helping people to quit using tobacco products. I am with Rethink Tobacco Indiana, which is a project that is funded from the State Department of Health's Tobacco Prevention and Cessation Commission, and we've been very generously funded since 2008. That project lives under the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center's Office of Community Outreach and Engagement. The project Rethink Tobacco Indiana aims to reduce the prevalence of tobacco and nicotine use among persons with mental health conditions, substance use disorders, or co-occurring disorders through a number of free resources and activities, including things like technical assistance, policy development, education, and specialized training, like I mentioned, the tobacco treatment specialist. And then we have a ton of resources to really help different behavioral health systems to integrate tobacco treatment, or we might help them with the education and training part. So we really are hands-on in helping systems manage the tobacco addiction that their patients may have. We really want to come alongside of many of these community behavioral health systems to help their patients through helping the system as a whole, but also helping their providers. Great, thank you for that. Gage, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yeah, thanks so much. My name is Gage Van Dyne, and I'm the Community Outreach Manager for Rethink Tobacco Indiana. So in my role, I'm responsible for the day-to-day operations and management of the statewide grant initiatives, that being uh, Rethink Tobacco Indiana. But I also work with healthcare providers, partners across the state, provide technical assistance to behavioral health treatment facilities, to integrate evidence-based tobacco treatment approaches, and uh, develop tobacco-free ground policies. I'm also trained as a tobacco treatment specialist, having received my training from Rethink uh, a number of years ago, actually come full circle to be working for this organization. And I have experience in planning, coordinating, and delivering statewide training. So nice to see everyone today. Great, great to have both of you, especially 
when we talk about the project details and having the subject matter expertise that you both can bring to the table will just enhance our overall understanding of what you do and how you do it and then take a deeper dive into some of the statistical information you'd like to share and then eventually talk about community action and how we can get involved and, and some of those things that we can do on the grassroots level. If you two could just set the stage for us, give us some background information, maybe how the project got started, what you would like the community to know about this project and just share some of those details. Well, I will start off with a little bit of the history and then I'll let Gage set the stage for us. The project started in 2008, where we noticed in that behavioral health population, we realized that tobacco use rates are anywhere from two to five times higher depending on specific diagnoses. And I'll let Gage talk a little bit more about some of that here shortly. We really realized that this population had a, a heavy burden of tobacco use. And so we applied to the State Department of Health's Tobacco Prevention and Cessation Commission back in, I believe it was 2007, and we were funded starting in 2008, and we have been in existence every year since. The grant and the project has changed a little bit as the needs have changed, but when we started this work back in 2008, there were no behavioral health systems that had tobacco-free grounds policies. They weren't offering tobacco treatment tobacco use disorder uh, diagnoses. They weren't doing any of that. And so we have come a long way. We are now seeing a change where I think it's around 60 some percent of substance use disorder facilities are offering tobacco treatment. Behavioral health systems, I think it's in the 80 percent range and the mental health systems. And what we're seeing is that most systems about, I think it's almost right at 100% are actually screening for tobacco use. And so we've made a lot of headway, not just because of Rethink Tobacco Indiana, but the climate is changing. There's more stigma around tobacco use. And, and we'll get into some of that shortly too. But it's been exciting to see the changes uh, since 2008. Thanks for having us here today to talk about this, but I think it's time to set the stage a bit, uh, talking to some folks about tobacco use, uh, the mental health population, and the substance use disorder populations. So when talking about setting the stage and the conversation here, I think it's best done through some data and statistics overview. It really helps to best understand the landscape. While not a cheery topic, it's important to understand this morbid impact that tobacco use has on folks. Tobacco use is still the leading cause of preventable disease, disability, and death in the United States, and it causes more than 480,000 deaths each year. And that being said, that's nearly one of five deaths that occur generally, which I find pretty staggering. But from that, nearly 50% of these annual deaths from smoking occur among consumers with behavioral health conditions. So we're talking a mental health condition or maybe a substance use disorder. And you might be thinking, wow, you know, these are some pretty big numbers, big statistics we're looking at. Uh, well, that's because smoking harms nearly every organ of the body. It causes many diseases, and it really just works to reduce the health of uh, those who, 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 excuse me, who use. What research has shown is that the majority of folks who do use tobacco actually want to quit. And most of them try multiple times. Some research shows that on average, we're looking at about 30 times before folks 
The real truth here is that tobacco dependence is a chronic relapsing disorder that, like many other chronic diseases, it often requires repeated intervention and long-term support. So as healthcare providers, we need to really ensure that we're offering patients evidence-based treatment to uh, set them up for success. Moving on to talk just a little bit about current smoking trends, specifically within the United States and Indiana. So it's also important that we shine light on that significant progress we've made here in the state, as well as the nation as a whole. So in 2011, the US median smoking rate was just over 21%, whereas the Indiana smoking rate was just over 25%. Now, fast forward a bit to current day, about 10 years, we see that the national rate has decreased to just over 15%, and the Indiana rate is just over 19%. Pretty big drops, right? According to the 2020 U.S. Census, that's just a bit over 1 million Hoosiers who are still smoking today. Even with the significant decline in smoking since 2011 here in Indiana, the smoking rate among adults in Indiana remains much higher than what we see across the United States. And when talking about smoking rates, it's also important to consider demographic breakdowns that really allow us to sort of better understand the disparities in tobacco use. So per our 2020 census data in Indiana, we know that the rate of smoking is significantly lower among Hispanics compared to both African-Americans and white adults. We also know that males are smoking at a slightly higher rate than females. And those between ages 25 to 64 had significantly higher rates of smoking compared to those that are in the 18 to 24 adult, uh, young adult range, or those 65 and up. And it's also important to note that those with less than a high school education had significantly higher rates of smoking than any other level of education attained. Those that had a college education had significantly lower rates of smoking than any other <clears throat> level of education. So talking income a bit too, the rate of smoking actually decreased as the reported income uh, increased. So all that being said, I want to highlight that what we're seeing here is actually because of direct targeting by the tobacco industry. We know that the tobacco industry advertises, discounts, and it displays commercial tobacco products in some communities more than others. These tailored tactics that they use are used to push dangerous tobacco products into communities that have really the fewest resources to deal with these health problems that are associated with tobacco use. But research also shows us that tobacco disproportionately impacts groups facing disadvantages, um, and these populations continue to see increased rates of smoking. So those experiencing 14 or more or mental health days in a month reported smoking at a significantly higher rate than those experiencing fewer than 14 or mental health days. And on top of that, those ever diagnosed with depression or a depressive disorder reported smoking at a significantly higher rate than those never diagnosed with depression. Another area that we see disparities in is insurance coverage. Those without insurance reported smoking at significantly higher rates than those with insurance. The last little bit of data I think that we want to touch on, and I think it really paints the landscape here, is the health consequences of smoking in regard to birth and infant outcomes. Uh, for expected mothers as well. It has long been known that smoking is harmful to reproductive health, and research has found that women who smoke are more likely to deliver their babies early. So we're talking premature or preterm births. And then it's also associated with lower birth weight. So even if that's full term, so both preterm delivery and low birth weight are associated with an increased risk for death. And that's where it gets kind of scary. Also, 
rates of preterm birth and low birth weight, respiratory distress syndrome, and SIDS could all improve dramatically if pregnant women and their partners did not smoke during or even after pregnancy, and if the infants were always in a smoke-free environment. I just came from a community coalition in the east central part of the state, and we took a deeper dive into some county level data because the impact at the county level is incredible because it's so above the state numbers. And when you drill it down to people in the community, we were able to look that when you talked about birth effects by smoking and percent of pregnant women who smoke in this particular county, they're way over the state numbers. You know, we identified, you know, targets and ways that we need to approach that age group and the fact that they're pregnant, you know, and looking at those psychosocial issues affecting them, being uninsured, being a single mother trying to raise or being pregnant, may have other children as well, but there's so many outlying issues, right, affecting those statistics. And I, I just appreciate you really taking that look and looking at those details. It's important to raise our awareness and to get the word out. And uh, the, the information that you and Deb have talked about today, just getting us to understand what your project is about, getting us to, to understand those common trends and looking at those demographics, I think is going to lead us into taking a deeper dive. So for this part of our podcast, I just want to say thank you to both of you for being willing to be a part of this conversation and taking the time to educate us as an organization, as a community. We want to welcome you back to come back and share more information on this and what that looks like taking that picture and taking a little more detail and drilling down into some more details for us. So thank you to both of you. Any last final thoughts before we say goodbye? We want to thank you too, Kathy, for the opportunity to bring all of this to light and have some conversation about how can we address this very devastating issue of tobacco in our state. So thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. We look forward to having you both back. For those that are joining us late, um, you can always look for podcast information at our website, www.qsource.org. All right, thank you both.